Hello all and welcome to the 17th episode of the Ocean Decade Show, a podcast dedicated to guiding you down the yellow brick road of this global initiative to transform the ocean, housed within the American Shoreline Podcast Network family. My name is Taylor Gales and I'm your host and tour guide on our adventure through the Ocean Decade. If you'll recall way back to our episode in November of last year, uh, I featured Daniela Fernandez, the founder of the Sustainable Ocean Alliance. Um, and in between my <laughs> poor attempts at understanding ocean tech innovations, Daniela briefly mentioned that she was a judge for the Ocean Innovation Prize, a $1 million prize presented by the Blue Climate Initiative in collaboration with SOA, Sustainable Ocean Alliance, to support innovations that mitigate climate change through ocean-related strategies. This prize, when I heard about it, it really excited me for a couple of reasons. Uh, First, I was really heartened to see prize money related to ocean-based climate solutions. Um, For the longest time, it felt like people in the ocean space stayed out of the climate space. Um, They were, you know, circles that never overlapped uh, because, and I totally understand that reasoning, uh, especially someone who just last year got into the climate space myself um, through my new role. Climate is contentious. Um, Just saying that word can evoke such strong emotions in the general public and in ocean funders. (laughs) So it was safer, I think, for a long time for the ocean world to stay separate from the climate world. Um, But as most listeners of this podcast would likely know, we are officially in a climate crisis. (laughs) I don't know when it was declared, but it's been, you know, it's we are in a climate crisis and it's all hands on deck. Uh, in the fight to decarbonize the world. Um, And as such a major percentage of the world, the ocean needs to play a significant role in addressing climate change. So it's not really possible anymore for the ocean to stay out of of climate. Um, So the fact that this prize money is related specifically to ocean-based climate solutions was really exciting to me. Second, I was excited about this prize because it was specifically connected to the ocean decade as part of an endorsed program of the decade. One of the biggest limitations that I faced when I was introducing the decade and pitching it way back when in in 2020 uh, with new stakeholders when I worked at NOAA, uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, was the lack of direct funding. I'd give my best ever pitch, and I think maybe listeners would think that I'd give a good pitch. I'd give a pretty good pitch um, for the decade. And almost every time at the end, someone would ask me or they'd say, you know, that sounds great. Where can I apply for funding? (laughs) And... The, the matching model of funding and opportunities that the Ocean Decade is doing, the way that they're they're doling out money, um, they're helping gather funding for affiliated programs and activities. And that really makes sense with the global nature of this initiative. But it's, it's tough. Um, you know, how could this super small team working at the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission, I could name them all on, you know, fingers and toes. It's not that many people. How could they realistically dole out millions of dollars of grants? There are teams and teams of people in big ocean foundations and other foundations that just do grants. Um, So the fact that people wanted the ocean decade itself to give out money, it's technologically and feasibly not really possible. And so they have to do this kind of matchmaking method. Um, but it's been challenging to engage with certain stakeholder groups because, you know, money is king. It's how research gets done. It's how <laughs> grad students get funded. And so uh, trying to convince people to work within the decade without funding is tough. Um, so the fact that this prize money was associated with the Ocean Decade, I think, is huge. Um, and I hope that other similar prize and grant efforts follow this method of using the Ocean Decade framework and network to help guide funding decisions. Um, <laughs> that would be 
a super nerdy but really fun episode for me to do, Financing the Ocean Decade. I'd have like three listeners probably, but anyone who's listening and thinking that would be a cool topic, find me on Twitter at Tweeter Taylor, and we'll do a show together about financing the ocean decade. <laughs> anyway, back to the Ocean Innovation Prize. In February 2022, the Blue Climate Initiative and partners announced the three winners of this $1 million US dollars uh, Ocean Innovation Prize. Um, as per the official website, the Blue Climate Initiative highlighted that while the winners come from diverse parts of the globe and offer solutions that target different aspects of the climate crisis, they are unified in their reliance on the extraordinary properties uh, and potential of seaweed. That's so cool. <laughs> so there were 236 entries, 21 semifinalists, and then three winners that all were focused on seaweed. And I've really seen a lot about seaweed in the scientific press and popular press over the last few years, identifying it as a climate solution because of its ability to sequester blue carbon. It has the potential to be a future source of energy and renewable plastics. Um, and the fact that it's a good source of protein and bioactive compounds for both human and animal consumption. And we'll get to that <laughs> in this episode. Um, seaweed can also be a really key aspect to the blue economy of coastal nations. Um, if you want to know more about blue economy, go listen to uh, Tim Gallaudet's podcast on this same network. Um, and serve as a really viable source of revenue for these coastal and ocean economies. So the solutions proposed by the winners are really varied, but all based on this concept of seaweed as a climate solution, which is really exciting. And so I'm so lucky on this month's episode to get to feature all three of the, the Ocean Innovation Prize winners and get to hear their stories about how they applied for the process, their path to the ocean decade, what they see as, you know, the biggest potential in their companies to help solve the climate crisis. And again, we traveled all over the world for this episode, which was fun. So from uh, Hawaii to Guadalupe in the in the Caribbean to Indonesia. So it's uh, really fantastic to get to feature these three fantastic companies. So first up is Biopack, a seaweed-based solution for a plastic-free ocean from Indonesia. Welcome to the podcast. Please um, introduce yourself and tell me about your path to uh, the ocean decade. My name is Noriawati Mulyono. Uh, you can call me Nori from Indonesia. Uh, my undergraduate degree is chemistry, and then I continue uh, to master and doctoral in food science. Oh, wow. That's a fascinating combination yeah and then you're applying it in in the ocean space uh with with the seaweed work yeah but actually uh i i don't plan it since i was a young uh, student um undergraduate student but i think this is like uh i was provided to uh, do this research and then continue transform into business idea to solve the plastic waste pollution that's so cool. Yeah, some of the best opportunities are the ones, you know, that just come upon us uh, all of a sudden and that you don't expect. Um, so can you describe for me in like in 30 seconds, the main goal of the company and how it's addressing the climate crisis? Yeah, we want to decrease the severity of plastic waste pollution, especially those from single use, which amount is very, very huge. Moreover, single use and small format which is not only huge, but also worthless to be recycled, to be reused, so it's going to end up in the ocean. Uh, then, while screening the raw material, we found that uh, we can not only uh, solve this 
problem, but we can also improve the livelihood of uh, coastal communities, especially the seed farmers, uh, where I found that uh, they are very vulnerable to be the victims of human trafficking because of their poverty. They, they seem that do not have the right to have a good well-being. Wow, that's uh, that's fantastic. The the kind of dual focus there about you know single use plastics and then dealing with you know that we think about sustainability when when it comes to climate change, but all of the you know the human impacts and the impacts on poverty and things like trafficking and th- there's so many issues that are interrelated to what we're doing to the planet. So that's really fantastic that uh, that Biopark's taking this holistic approach. Yes, sure. Before maybe we just think that okay, poverty means uh like people work as bigger, but when I drill down about the livelihood in uh, seaweed farmers, uh, most of them cannot go to school more than elementary school. Even more, some cannot go to school at all. So they cannot uh, read, they cannot write. It. I think this is not, uh, they cannot even just uh, get their basic needs. If uh, we think luxury life, uh, they are far be- uh, below the luxury life. So I think they are human beings. They have the right to at least go to school, at least to uh, senior high school. But yeah, they are very poor. So I think we have to take an action to help them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's so fantastic. Um, and so how is, you know, Congratulations, you're one of the winners of this Ocean Innovation Prize. Um, how did you hear about it in the first place? And how is it going to transform uh, the way that you do your work? Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I think uh, winning Ocean Innovation Prize is a very fantastic, but it's also uh, put the responsibility for us to do a real action to make a sustainable solution for uh, plastic waste and also for a human being. Uh, we actively search the competitions with a mission to make our product known, then to spread our ocean globally, and to gather valuable feedbacks from the juries of competition. Because uh, when we can pass the online uh, phase, then we can uh, perhaps we can have the opportunity to uh, discuss with the juries and then we can get uh, valuable feedbacks and uh, then to obtain the prize if we can win. And when we saw Ocean Innovation Prize announcement, we believe that this competition provides full package that we need to achieve our, our vision. Yeah, that's so fantastic. Where did you hear about the Ocean Innovation Prize? Did someone tell you about it or did you find it online? Or Yeah, I find it online. Uh, I get the notification from email from funds for NGOs. Oh, wow. It's it's just kind of fantastic how, you know, I think a lot of people uh, who, who listen to this podcast and just in the ocean science and world in general and beyond, you know, see these sorts of big money prizes or big things and think, oh, wow, I could never, you know, enter that or win that. And so it just must be, yeah, so, so heartening to know that, uh, you know, you, you were one of the winners and that you have one of the best ideas on the planet for ocean-based climate solutions. You know, that's just, uh, that's so fantastic. Yeah. Many thanks. Yeah. So, uh, one of the partners of this prize, you know, the blue climate initiative that you mentioned, uh, helped 
run this, but the the UN Ocean Decade itself, this is an official program of the Ocean Decade. So from your perspective, what would constitute a successful Ocean Decade to you? So by the time we reach 2030, at the end of this international initiative, what would have happened for you to look back on and say that these 10 years were successful? You know, it can be related to plastics or something broader, but I just love your, your opinion on, you know, what would make a successful ocean decade? Uh, uh, I think at the time, uh, we can say that, look at the ocean. It is cleaner than before. You still can find fish. You still can see the balanced ecosystem. And, uh, before we know, we, we can read a lot of uh, prediction that uh, maybe we cannot find uh, fish in the ocean in 2050 if we cannot find the alternative for plastic, which is really uh, compostable and biodegradable and will not end up in the ocean. But now, uh, with the support from Ocean Innovation Prize, all of us who commit uh, to solve this plastic waste pollution problems, we can understand, we can we can be satisfied because our commitment, sweat and tears are paid off. Yeah, that's so fantastic. Um, that's a question that I ask every single person that's on the podcast because I love getting all the different perspectives about what success means because, you know, the tagline for the ocean decade is the ocean we want for the future we need, but who's that we? You know, the, the wide definition of who is we and how we're defining success during this time is, is super, super important. And so that's why I think it's fascinating to the, you know, the the private industry innovation that, that you and your company bring to the Ocean Decade is just so worthwhile alongside the rest of the great efforts that are, that are happening. Um, so where can the audience go to learn more about your work and your company? Uh, they can uh, check on the Instagram and then on the website or uh, can just simply email or WhatsApp me. So I think uh, this price is just uh, the first step to gain the succeed. And the succeed is not for a certain institution, uh, but the succeed is for all of us because uh, no one can uh, belong this ocean, but all of us belong this ocean. And next, we have Symbrosia, a seaweed feed supplement that reduces livestock methane emissions by up to 90% from Hawaii. Thank you so much, uh, Alexia. Please um, introduce yourself and your path to the ocean decade. Awesome. Yeah, my name is Alexia Akbai. I'm the CEO and founder of Symbrosia. We are working with a seaweed species, a macroalgae, that um, when added to cattle feed as a feed supplement can reduce their enteric methane emissions, the major source of greenhouse gases from cattle by over 90%. And so we're using an ocean-based solution to tackle one of the unsolved sources of greenhouse gas emissions today. Wow, that's, uh, you know, Hawaii is a perfect setting, I think. Hawaii with its history, you know, of of ranching and uh, lots of cattle on the island, and then you have all the ocean around you. So was that one of your, your ideas and influences for this ocean-based solution for uh, land-based uh, climate emissions? 
Yeah, Hawaii in general is a great place to do marine research and development. And then also for production of um, marine resources too, the state really sets up small companies like ourselves to begin on that path and then lead us through scaling. So that was the main drive coming here. And then upon arriving here, got acquainted with the yeah rich and nuanced history of the cattle industry here, but also where the cattle industry is heading uh, following COVID-19 and food security goals for Hawaii. Um, It's been a really interesting time to be here because there's a lot of momentum both in sustainability of those industries and collaboration to get to those goals. So um, beyond our mission, the Hawaii goal and mission of food security has been an amazing one to be a part of. Well, yeah, that's fascinating because, um, you know, just like the the Ocean Decade, which is what has brought us here and is one of the co-sponsors of the uh, the Ocean Innovation Prize, of which you are a winner, congratulations, um, started, you know, right at the near the beginning of this COVID-19 pandemic. And so there's lots of things that have changed in society due to COVID, lots of things that we're hoping to change in the ocean during the Ocean Decade. And so the the kind of combination that you you outlined here. It's a really fascinating to see how the you know culture and history of cattle in Hawaii and then their climate forward looking attitudes are going to intertwine. You know, in part highlighted through your project and your work. Thank you. Yeah, I feel very grateful to be here at this time and working on um, this problem with so many great collaborators. That's so fantastic. So, how did you hear about the Ocean Innovation Prize? This one million dollar, you know, <laughs> flashing probably. Uh, light of money in front of you. How did you hear about it? Yeah, we try to stay on top of some of these prize opportunities because as a startup, you know, funding is critical to getting through this research and development um, phases. But, you know, to be honest, we found the opportunity only, you know, a few days or a week before the application was due. And so um, we really put our heart into applying for it because it is a really interesting Funding opportunity, it's a lot larger than other prize funding, so it could really um, make meaningful impact in our development. Um, and, you know, as a team, we pulled through this app and and submitted, and we were pretty uh, joyous to find out that that we got accepted. And so, yeah, it was a really thrilling experience, and they did a great job at orchestrating the whole prize um, kind of setup as well. Wow, that's so, uh, yeah, that submission process of... <laughs> of like excitement of seeing something that works really well for you, you know, and fits what your goals are and has a nice high funding level. And then you see that due date and that's the terrifying uh, part. I I bet there was a lot of uh, late nights uh, trying to pull that together with, with your team. Yeah. And you know, as the more times we tell the story to the more um, authentic it gets. And so I feel like we're at that phase in our development where we can really authentically tell the story about how, we are working with ocean innovation to tackle these climate solutions and bringing in the community partners. And so I feel like at this point we're, we're fitting together all the puzzle pieces and, you know, these industries, the cattle industry and ocean innovation um, seem rather distant, but I think, you know, through the years of building this mission, it's really starting to come together and we can tell that story pretty well. Yeah. And that's, I think the hardest part with innovative projects like this and why I think that, uh, prizes like the Ocean Innovation Prize and others that are, are trying to get you to make connections between seemingly disparate, you know, areas. The fact that, um, you know, all three of the winners are 
you know, seaweed based, but could not be more, <laughs> could not be more different. Um, so what would you say, you know, uh, you have your pitch down, I think, in the way that you're describing your company, what is the main goal? Um, and how do you want to contribute to the climate crisis and, and addressing it? That's awesome that you called out that all three winners were seaweed companies, because we were thr- pretty thrilled to see that as well. Um, but in terms of our you know, ocean decade, the success of our business really depends on our ability to reduce directly these sorts of greenhouse gases. And so over the next decade, we're targeting a gigaton of carbon equivalent reductions um, through our solution and really hoping to continue to garner momentum through prizes like this. And, um, you know, obviously the industry is, or not the industry, but business in general is really starting to be more holistic and think about these approaches. So hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, everyone together collectively is moving towards this, you know, ocean decade and climate decade. And how are we going to meet all of those goals that we desperately need to meet um, to sustain our ecosystems and biodiversity? So I think it's a really important mission and, um, you know, it's it's amazing that we have so many initiatives pushing forward larger scale systemic change. Yeah, because that's what it's it's all about, right? It's it's transformation on that systemic level. It's transforming the way that we see the ocean, work with the ocean, view the ocean, study the ocean, you know, and that's why I think what's really fascinating about this prize in particular is that it focused on um, you know, industry solutions, you know, that it's helping these startups. It's not going to, you know, already established ways of thinking that it was purposefully, I think, trying to think outside the box. And so how, uh, uh, you know, I think they always, you know, ask ask after the Super Bowl, like, oh, where are you going to go? And they say they're going to go to Disneyland. So what are you going to do with your prize winnings? (laughs) And where are you going to, how is it going to make a difference in your company in the next, you know, six months, next year? Yeah, well, pretty you know, good timing that this prize money is going to go directly into some infrastructure expansion to increase our capacity to grow more of this seaweed, which will directly increase our ability to reduce methane emissions on farms and with our partners. So really happy to report that this is going to be directly translated into greenhouse gas reductions. Um, Yeah. And to your point, I think seaweed is such an interesting opportunity in the ocean because we have the opportunity to, you know, produce or this crop, but do so in a way that does not replicate the, um, the, you know, large scale systemic kind of challenges or mistakes that we've seen in terrestrial agriculture. Um, And so, like you mentioned, we're all three winners are seaweed based, but tackling seaweed production or use in, in different ways. And I think that's super exciting. So getting these solutions to scale is going to be really interesting. And I think, I think it'll set a new precedent for how to farm or produce biomass um, in ways that we haven't seen before. And, and that's the luxury of kind of working in this new industry that's so inherently sustainable as well. Yeah, that's what um, has always been fascinating about the ocean for me is something that I realized it was only a few years ago, even though I've worked in the ocean for forever and fisheries in particular for forever is that, you know, the ocean is one of the is the last space where we try to wild catch things, you know, we're not out there like hunting for cows anymore. (laughs) You know, like, it's not like we're doing rodeo roundups. It's, uh, you know, the but we do need to shift from a wild catch method that's it's not sustainable going forward, or it needs to be complemented, you know, by this boom in farming of all sorts of things of shellfish of, of fish and of seaweed, I think is the next, um, next big thing. 
Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of people passionate about making that happen. And so really grateful again for anyone that supported us along this journey, including the Ocean Innovation Prize. Um, this is really a boost to our to our capacity to do that. So thank you. Yeah. And it makes it easy for uh, <laughs> for me to tell this podcast story too, that you're all different seaweed companies. And so it's just a fascinating um, from a storytelling perspective as well. Um, but going broader, so I asked this to all of my guests, um, what, the ones that are really directly involved in the UN decade and those that are kind of adjacently involved, like a bit like you are, and that we're hoping you'll get more involved with the ocean decade going forward and really bring that industry perspective and the seaweed perspective to it. Um, but what to you would constitute a successful ocean decade? So by the time we reach 2030, what would have happened that you look back and say, this has been a successful 10 years? Yeah, I think it's really solidifying this across the industry with all the players, this model of social and cultural element of working in the ocean and the the populations that have been stewarding those practices forever or for decades or centuries, um, bringing in those innovative and scientific methods that are emerging and then really creating tangible outcomes and being able to weave those two pathways together. And I think that's something, you know, beyond those direct emission reductions that we're looking for within our company, the bigger mission is to do that in a way that highlights emerging technology and creates more equitable futures in ocean communities. And, um, you know, I think the ocean community understands how those two work together, but I think creating business models out of that convergence, like you mentioned, is going to be key and ones that transform industries and and don't just kind of replicate norms. Um, so new products, new solutions, new ways to capture carbon. Um, it's going to be really exciting. So I think getting clarity on technology and social impact for, for ocean innovation. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I can't wait to you know, have you back on the podcast in a year or two years to see, you know, how Symproche has grown and what you've kind of continued to do and where you can go from here. So where though can the audience go to learn more about your effort and stay looped in? Yeah, you can check us out on our website, Symbrosia, S-Y-M-B-R-O-S-I-A.co, C-O. And we have the newsletter sign up on there. Um, we're also pretty active on Instagram. It's also Symbrosia.co. You can follow us. Um, we post pretty regularly on team updates and different events and even position openings that we have um, remote and in Hawaii. So definitely urge you to check those out. Finally, there's SMO Solar Processes, uh, which is a carbon capture and energy project focused on sargassum, a very specific type of seaweed that is invasive in many Caribbean islands from Guadeloupe. So Yasmin, welcome. Uh, please introduce yourself and uh, your path to the Ocean Decade, which is one of the uh, funders of this brilliant Ocean Innovation Prize. Hi, Taylor. Thank you for having me today. Uh, I'm Yasmin Anselad. I lead business development for SMO Solar Process. As you said, a recent uh, laureate of the Ocean Innovation Prize. Um, well, I'm an island, island native from Guadeloupe, a French Caribbean island. And as such, uh, ocean has always been part of my life. I mean, whenever you take two step up, uh, you can see the, the sea. So it's just the place where you go to marvel. People travel to see it. You get food from there. So 
it's just there and it's such a powerful force that can sometimes bring danger, but that brings so many things to our life. So for me, it was essential to be able to preserve this legacy and be able to keep sharing it. Wow, that's such like a holistic and kind of inspiring way to describe the ocean. And it was, I I spent some time, uh, I studied abroad in uh, Turks and Caicos during undergrad. And I I felt, I heard the same things from the, the island natives there. And so it's just that kind of love and respect uh, and passion for for the ocean that, you know, surrounds you every day <laughs> where you grew up. Yeah, you know, one of the things I remember when I went to study in France, I mean, I'd been going there every year, but the first time I knew I needed to stay there to study and we were up in the mountains uh, in, in France and I couldn't see the sea and I realized, wow, that's different, you know? Oh, yes, that's so different. Um, that's incredible. And I, I loved, you know, talking about your path and I'd love to, you know, get into a little bit about, uh, the, the company that you work for, you know, so in, in 30 seconds, can you describe the main goal and how, uh, it's helping to address the climate crisis? Sure. So, um, SMO Solar Process aims to leverage the best of climate tech and circular economy to create decentralized clean energy systems, including in remote and low infrastructure areas. So our solar-powered bioenergy with carbon capture technology can turn any type of carbon-based waste into affordable green hydrogen, and we recycle the carbon from the waste into useful products. So in the Caribbean region, we are looking to turn sargassum, which is an invasive algae today, into a formidable ally for island nations' fight against climate change. That was perfect. You got your elevator pitch (laughs) completely down, and it makes sense uh, because you guys, you know, won this Ocean Innovation Prize. So how did you hear about uh, this prize? And then what was the submission process like? So... um, Well, to get where we are today, we've been working on this project since 2009, and we've gathered the large network of, you know, friends, family, supporters. So one of them reached out to us uh, and said, yeah, I think it would be so relevant for you to uh, apply to this prize, especially with what you're trying to do in Guadeloupe with Sargassum. And so, yeah, we just felt uh, it was a good match for us. And we were so very happy to to be, you know, selected among the semi-finalists first and then among the winners. I mean, it was such an adventure. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, I was in uh, I was actually in Glasgow when it was announced. So it was just um, yeah for for COP- at COP twenty six. Yeah, we because at the same time, we had been selected by, by the New York Times as one of 16 climate innovators for their uh, climate hub in Glasgow. And so while I was there, we had that. So yeah, it was really a wonderful news. Your walls are going to run out of space for all the awards that you're getting and all the certificates. That's fantastic. Well, we do hope that, you know, we can uh, inspire uh, people and, and, and locations to to. Uh, take this step in into uh, innovation and technology and and really it's such a versatile um, technology it adapts so well to local conditions we can use any type of carbon-based waste so sargassum is perfect for caribbean in other places it can be plastics which is also a problem for the oceans you know so yeah it, it's 
it's given us a bit of uh, interest what we could do with this technology. Yeah, it sounds like the possibilities are endless. And so it's great to see kind of a local case study almost, you know, in, in the application and how it can really help with with the sargassum problem in, in the Caribbean. But uh, the world is your oyster, to use another <laughs> ocean-themed uh, yeah, absolutely. option. Um, so to get back to the submission process, um, so we had a bit of training on that because uh, we've been uh, um, submitting a lot of, you know, uh, uh, grant uh, projects or other uh, competitions. So um, we've, we're really very um, uh, uh, convinced on what we're trying to say about this project. So we just, you know, poured it out on, on the, the, the application uh, form. Yeah. And that's harder than people think, I think, to figure out, you know, you understand why your company is important, but figuring out the best way to communicate that to others is such a, and Grant Reddit, it's such a skill. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we we were lucky for that because, well, I've been with the company since 2019 and uh, I came there at the same time as my two colleagues for business development. And so, the all year uh, 2020 during the pandemic, we had this time to translate all the scientific content of the project in something we could share with people and something we could translate in uh, financial documents. So that's really been our focus in 2020. And since then, we've been able to share what we do uh, really more easily and and it was the very good time for for this uh, competition and we were happy to have you know this background to to bring with us and and it seems like uh, it's it was useful oh definitely yeah it's it's important to you know the early waves of the pandemic and even now is to find those little nuggets of light you know in between all the darkness and so if you could figure if you use that time you know to figure out how to sell the company and the good work you're doing then that's fantastic so you are one of three winners, all of which are seaweed-based, which I think is super interesting and fantastic. So what are you going to use the winnings for? So how is, gonna, how is the prize going to positively impact the company? Well, uh, the thing is, uh, what we're doing is uh, uh, a capital-intensive uh, uh, technology because we're really building machines that use uh, uh, direct solar energy to turn the waste into um, these highly valuable products. So it's not cheap. <laughs> oh, no, not cheap at all. <laughs> <laughs> so we've uh, we've earned the trust of uh, partners, including in Guadeloupe, a commercial bank that is uh, ready to, to follow us this early uh, uh, in our uh, um, deployment stage. But uh, it's still important for us to be able, you know, to bring uh, capital to the table and, uh, and uh, cash, I might say. And so we are going to be able to uh, pay uh, a certain number of expenses like uh, third party studies because, you know, we know what we can do and we've been working on it for some time, sometimes now, but We've been asked to uh, to have this certain compliance thing, so we yeah, that's how science works. Yeah, you need the you need outside verification. Every paper you write gets reviewed by people around the world. Exactly. Yeah, 
Exactly. So this cache is going to be very useful for that. And uh, another thing is that alongside the, uh, this uh, uh, technology to produce uh, affordable green hydrogen, we're also working on uh, adapting a boat so that its uh, motorization can run on uh, an hybrid hydrogen uh, motorization and be less uh, CO2 emitting. Oh, well, now you're speaking my language. So my day job, uh, I work on shipping decarbonization right now. Um, and so, yeah, that's <laughs> I totally understand the emissions coming from from all different sides of sizes of boats and ships. So, yeah, you're speaking my language there. <laughs> yeah. You know, in Guadeloupe, 84% of CO2 emissions are linked to transportation. That's ridiculous because yet yeah, transport's already a really high number, but it's 84% on Guadeloupe. Wow. So, you know, uh, and when we can make uh, green hydrogen at below three euros per kg, I mean, if you're taking that into a car, a full tank is like, would be like 15 uh, euros per, 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 uh, per full tank. So in, in these days of high gas prices, uh, you can see the, attra- the attractiveness of, uh, of, shift- of shifting from gas to hydrogen or even from electricity from hydrogen. It would, be, it would still be way cheaper than gas and be uh, zero emissions. So, yeah, lots of potential there. Oh, so much potential. Yeah, I have to... I begrudgingly have to bring us away for that topic because I could talk to you about that literally all <laughs> day. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll do a whole podcast on transportation decarbonization in Guadeloupe and then can combine my two passions. Um, so going a bit broader, as I had said at the beginning, the, the UN Ocean Decade was one of the partners of this prize. And uh, the kind of tagline of the Ocean Decade is what I call it is... Uh, you know, they say the ocean we want for the future we need. And there's a lot of different ways that we can define success during this 10 years, you know, by 2030. So from your perspective, what would constitute a successful ocean decade to you? So by the time we reach 2030, what would have happened for you to be able to look back and say, oh, wow, we were successful? Well, I think um, pollution is one of the, the big aspects for, um, you know, think, thinking if we can reduce marine pollution, it would be a, a huge success. Uh, you know, all the plastics that goes to the seas or the, the washing of uh, uh, fertilizers or chemicals in the sea and, it, and the impact it has on, uh, on marine life. Um, you know, if we could... Uh, uh, put a big dent on that uh, for us, that would really be a sign of success. And uh, of course, as an islander, I would also say that um, making sure that uh, coastal populations uh, get to find a balance uh, between what they can get from the ocean and how they can create jobs around uh, the blue economy and uh, um, how they can protect uh, this ocean, this would be really uh, central on feeling that uh, we've turned the tide, if I can say, uh, on uh, on the on this uh, uh, trend we are on right now, and which is uh, so terrible for our planet. Yeah, I love that kind of dual perspective of, you know, because plastics are kind of everywhere. And it's, it's something that we have to deal with as a global society, but then also that really coastal and local perspective. And that's what I think is great about the decade is it can switch from these really big concepts and big things to how do we solve plastic pollution in the ocean to like, how do we make sure that coastal communities 
not just survive, but thrive in their, in their homes. And, you know, th this is something that is really um, important for us. You know, I, I said I'm from Guadeloupe, but so is the inventor of uh, SMO Solar Process. So he really had this uh, in mind in the design of, the, of this machine. And what we are going to do in Guadeloupe with the Sargassum is while we're going to explore hydrogen, like I said, for uh, marine transportation, we're also working uh, with the uh, local university to make uh, activated carbon from sargassum that is going to remove uh, chlordecone pollutions from our soils. And chlordecone is one of these uh, uh, long-lasting pollutions that washes out uh, in the water and goes to the sea and contaminates the sea life. So, you know, being able to use the sargassum to uh, remove this pollution at the same time as we produce clean energy, well, it's something we're really, really very proud of, you know, uh, because like I said before, there are so many aspects we have to, um, to tackle. Uh, if we can do several at the same time, it's really something we're, we're uh, looking on. Yeah, as, uh, you know, as many wins as we can get from one thing, I think that that's what we need at this stage of where we are with, with climate change and with the, we need to ramp up solutions that work for the environment, they work from a socioeconomic perspective, um, everything. So this uh, was incredible to learn about your company, the company and you and how it connects to the ocean decade. So where can the audience go to learn more about your work? So uh, we have a website, which is uh, www.smosolarprocess.com. And I would recommend to connect with us on LinkedIn because uh, that's where we share uh, most of what we are doing and how we are going forward with our project or communication. So please, uh, SMO Solar Process on LinkedIn or myself, Yasmin Anslad. And uh, yeah, and please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And we are very happy to find partners all around the world to make this, to make this happen faster. Congratulations again to BIPOC, SMO Solar Processes, and Subrosia, the three winners of the Ocean Innovation Prize. So the three of them will share in this $1 million cash prize and are invited to this Blue Climate Summit happening uh, in just a couple weeks' time, May 14th through 20th, in French Polynesia. I know, don't we all feel so bad for them that they <laughs> get to accept their big checks uh, on a beautiful beach? We can't wait to see where these companies go from here, and we'll keep you all updated and see you all next month on the Ocean Decade Show.